Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday, big day in the UFC football world. Another practice going out there on Howard Jones Field. The Trojans getting ready for another road trip, taking on the California Golden Bears, a resurgent California Golden Bears. But we got to talk about the nail-biter of a win over the weekend in Tempe, Arizona. USC defeating the Arizona State Sun Devils 31-26. to Dan Weber and Keely Ewer were both there. They're going to be here on the podcast with us. Talking about the game, talking about the future of this program, talking about recruiting, answering all your questions. We got a lot to get to today. As usual, a lot of your questions came in. If you have a question for the show, we always love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's where most of the questions have come from. But we get a bunch of texts too. You want to text us? 424-254-9141. Of course, you can leave a voicemail as well. You guys did a better job this week of keeping the voicemails more concise. They were shorter this week. I like that. 424-254-9141 is the number. Of course, you can always leave us some positive feedback, a five-star rating. All of that is great on Google Play and Apple Podcasts and all those podcasting apps, uh, Megaphone, Stitcher Radio, anywhere you can get a podcast. Leave us some kind of positive review rating. Let let your friends know about it. Tell your friends, hey, we've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Think it's pretty good? Maybe you should check it out. So, we appreciate you doing that. This is uh, we're winding up our twelfth season here on the Peristyle Podcast, covering the Trojan football team, and a big part of that has been Keely Yor helping keeping this show in order. We got Keely in studio. What's up, Keely? Hello, hello. I'm doing all right. I want you to be doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Are you hanging in there? It's two more weeks left. How crazy is that? The regular season is winding down. Yeah, Keely's gonna look. You know, she gets a little worn down by the end of the season. It's busy. Working seven days a week will do that to you. It's tough. It's tough right now for Keely. All right, we're going to also bring in Dan Weber. He's on the line via Skype. Sounds a little nicer. What's up, Dan? Uh, I hate to inform uh, Keely, but uh, there could be another five weeks left after uh, two weeks. So. Uh, don't get your hopes up too much. I said uh, regular lot, season. There could be a lot of season left. Yeah, I said regular season, but I also know this is USC. And once the regular season ends, it probably will just get even more crazy. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm hunkering down. I know what's coming. Yeah, we're, uh, we've been hunkering down. There's actually the last day. So if you get this on Tuesday, the last day to get a huge deal on uscfootball.com, our two for one, two for one dollar, two months of VIP access to uscfootball.com for just a buck, which is crazy because I can guarantee you there's going to be some big news one way or the other coming up in a couple of weeks. The fan base could be elated. They could be outraged, but there's going to be news. So make sure you stay on top of it. No one has a bigger team, a better team covering the Trojans than we do here at uscfootball.com. So the Peristyle podcast is just part of it. The website has tons more information. So make sure you go check that out. And before we jump into everything, I do want to thank Trader Joe's, who've been an awesome sponsor to us over the last couple of years. This is the holidays. The holidays are coming up. Now, Thanksgiving's a little later, but we're already seeing some of the stuff in the Trader Joe's stores for Thanksgiving 
the holidays. One of Dan's favorites is corn pudding. We actually put that in our promo for the Peristyle pregame show. It's up on the, the uh, if you want to know what the corn pudding is, it's up on the Trader Joe's website. It's part of their Fearless Flyer. So it's only there for a limited time. Uh, it's yellow and white corn baked in a creamy corn puree with mozzarella and Parmesan cheese. So it's microwave safe. You can make it in about four minutes, or if you want to put it in the oven, you can do that as well. Uh, it's great. It's in the refrigerator section. So make sure you check it out while it's still in season. Dan, I don't know if you got it yet, but you got to go get it. Got the one that was left. The rest, it was sold out. And the manager said, we're really trying. We're going to hope in the next couple of days we'll have our uh, new supply. But I think it has to be uh, your reading, uh, Ryan, that uh, has sold that sucker out. So, <laughs> You're causing uh, a frenzy, Ryan. Yes. I haven't tried. See, I love corn, so I, but I haven't tried. So I put, but I love pudding. And I'm thinking pudding like butterscotch pudding or something. This is not that. So like my mind always goes to dessert. So I have to try it. But it look the picture looks like oh this looks like a corn dish, not a. It's not like a sweet. No, it's a corn. It's a corn dish, but okay. it's, it's, it's it has the consistency of pudding. So it's kind of an interesting Ooh. combination. So give it a try. It's uh, it's a you know everybody likes corn for you know the holidays and all that. So uh, it's a, it's worth it. If you can find it, it, it's really worth a try. I like to mash my corn up in my mashed potatoes and mix it all together. Interesting. Uh-huh. Pretty good. I put all that stuff together. So, uh, all right. Well, we got to talk about. There was a game. If you only watched the first 15 minutes, you probably thought USC won 80 to 7, but that was not the case. Uh, 28 points in the first quarter, the greatest quarter of football for a quarterback in the last 15 years or so for Keaton Slovis. Uh, 15 of 17, 297 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty spectacular. That 95 yard bomb to Amon Ross St. Brown was a thing of beauty. And if you would have guessed at the end of one that USC would score three more points the rest of the way, I don't know. I mean, it just didn't seem like that's the way things were going to go. But, uh, I mean, you guys were there. What was what was that like? You're like, wow, this is couldn't be any different. Yeah, I mean, I feel like USC, no matter what's happening when they go to ASU, they kind of reset and they kind of have a blowout of ASU every time. They usually take care of business. So in the first quarter, I was like, okay, this is it. the theme continues. I was like, they're going to blow ASU. It's going to be one of those, hey, we – we showed up and we, we beat them. And then I was like, oh, it was kind of a microcosm of what we've seen this whole season and kind of under Clay Helton. Once this team gets into a lead, they feel comfortable. It kind of they get too comfortable and the other the opponent seems to creep back in. Yeah. And it seemed like ASU knew that if you're up, if you're down by 21 at that point, you could just pack it up and go home. But they didn't. Yeah. What do you think, Dan? Well, yeah, I think ASU, for example, they watched that Oregon film and they said, well, man, they may score, but then they got to kick off to us and we got them right where we want them. If they kick off <laughs> yeah. to us. And man, I thought this is a replay that, you know, the 97 yard touchdown was a replay of that hundred yard Oregon touchdown. It was like, Holy, um, you know, what's going on here. And then, um, uh, you know, although I think that was kind of a nice, uh, you know, nice pace, one point per quarter, you know, three points, three quarters, you know, and, uh, <laughs> You know, it matched a number of uh, false starts and uh, illegal shifts on uh, uh, special teams for USC. So, you know, what the heck? Uh, Yeah, you know, the the way USC last year lost four double-digit leads and not just lost the game, got crushed. I mean, those games turned around, you know, at Texas and Utah and those, you know, places where 
you know, USC gets out to the double-digit lead, and they uh, they've done it a couple of times this year, and then then get, get you know they did it at Oregon, or against Oregon, and got crushed. So uh, this is a, a you know usually if you're up twenty-eight to seven, the other team is going to have to take some chances. And then you take advantage of them. I mean, that was the whole theme of, of the Pete Carroll era. You get up on somebody and you make them throw the ball, and then you take it away and you get short fields and and you just crush them. And uh, for some reason, that doesn't seem to you know have, have been able to play out uh, with this team, with this coaching staff. Uh, and you got to give uh, Arizona State credit. They had a great crowd, and they stayed to to the end usually in a lot of places they're leaving at 28-7 they're getting out of the sun um, they didn't leave they they stayed in there the the Arizona State team seemed to believe as Kelly said that they had a shot as it turned out they absolutely did uh, so uh, welcome to our world I mean you know the, the Arizona State game not that different from the you know the Colorado game where you need something to happen in the last uh, you know almost literally seconds or Things go the other way, and it's hard to even imagine what would we, what would this be like today if USC had had not made those plays at the very end and be and be four and six right now, having to win the final two games just to get bowl eligible. I mean, uh, you know, it's a lot nicer to be six and four, saying, "Well, we could be eight and four if we win these two games," and they could still be six and six. And if you think you've got a sense of which way that's going to go, um, you don't. Don't even kid yourself. We have no idea how this is going to play out. Plus, people forget about the Isaiah pull out interception at the end of the Fresno State game to win that one. Yeah. And then even talking about ASU, they didn't even play Jaden Daniels. This is Joey Yellen's first co- college start. Like, it, imagine if Daniels was in there. It's just... Yeah. There was a pick six that was eliminated by a penalty. That, that you was kind of questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, you know, I, I think we have a question from Curtis Marino Valley a little bit later, but... This was something that came up on Tunnel Vision. And after me re-watching the game, I'm even more convinced now, if Jane Daniels plays, I think ASU wins the game. I don't think yep. USC has a 28-7 cushion if they have their star quarterback. And he's also been very good at end-of-game situations. Uh, I think one of those picks might not happen. Now, there were some drops. There were some <clears throat> some bad things that happened to Arizona State that I don't think was outside of uh, Yellen's you know, control. But I just feel like, the way Daniels could pick up some first downs with his legs, it was going to be a closer game early, and USC was hanging on. And Clay Helton talked about like being able to maintain the lead the whole time. It's sort of like he was it's kind of downplaying, like we had to hang on and we couldn't score again. Um, but after watching it again, I, I kind of feel stronger now that if Jaden Daniels plays, ASU wins. I don't know what, what you think, Dan. But. Well, but USC still put up. 547 yards of offense in the game to Arizona State's, what, 339. So USC had more than 200 yards more offense. So you could also play that card and say, there's no way this game should have been close enough for Jaden Daniels to have made a difference. True. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, with all USC games, you can always play, you know, both cards. I mean, they, they should have won by more. They probably should have lost. And you just, you know, keep flipping those cards and, however it comes down but when you you put up 547 yards on the road on a not a bit i mean a team that beat michigan state for example on the road uh that's doing something and yet it certainly didn't play out like that i mean you know just four touchdowns got them all in the first quarter i mean uh that's uh this is strange this team it's strange 
and I, I think some USC people would say, hey, uh, Arizona State, again, welcome to our world. You had to play a first-time you know, true freshman uh, starter. We've been doing that the whole year. Uh, so, you know, obviously – and I always thought the weirdest thing was going on. Here you had Keaton Slovis, this true freshman – from Scottsdale starting for USC and you get Joey Yellen, this true freshman from Mission Viejo starting for Arizona State. It was just kind of that weird, all those weird little subplots uh, in that game that, uh, you know, that play out that just is like, oh, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, 315 yards of that, the, the 500, whatever you said, Dan, that was all in the first quarter. Yes, um, it was. <laughs> 315 to one. I just feel like USC probably wouldn't have 315 and ASU certainly no. wouldn't have one, if Jaden Daniels plays, he's actually they Sun Devil Source just announced that he's going to start uh, against. He's available, expected to start against Oregon State. So he'll he just missed that one game, uh, but you know that's like whatever. USC ended up won- winning the game. It was a nail biter. You didn't really want it to be uh, that close. There were some big plays. USC did win the turnover battle. Uh, Clay Elton was very happy about that. I mean, it was it was close there for a while, uh, but we probably should just start answering some of the questions we got because we got a lot on these. I don't know. What do you think, Keely? It sounds like Dan wants to add something. Oh, sorry, Dan. Yeah, go ahead. I know. I'm I'm good to go. Questions are uh, perfect right now. Okay. Well, um, let's start with uh, Nick from San Pedro, who says, instead of solely watching the USC game, I watched almost all the LSU-Alabama game. How embarrassing it was to see Coach O taking his team into Tuscaloosa and knocking off Bama and seeing John Robinson hugging Jordan Burrow on the sideline. When Coach O was interim coach at SC, everyone said he wasn't head coach material. And now look at LSU and USC. Very sad to see. Fight on. Nick from San Pedro. I'll be honest. I I don't see it that way. I'm just happy and excited and proud and, uh, and and just feel good for, for coach. O. I feel good for, I think there's a total of five X U X U S C, uh, you know, coaches down at at LSU in one role or another. Uh, and, uh, I'm just happy as heck for them. Uh, I wish it would have worked out. You know, I think when push came to shove back in the day, if coach O would have had his druthers, he'd have, he'd have been here. Uh, and, um, that was on USC and they got it as wrong as you could possibly get it. And, um, uh, you know, to see how coach O has grown in the role. I mean, it's, uh, a lot of pressure at LSU and it's, it's not easy always to, to get to where you need to go, especially on offense. And he kept working at it and working at it. And now he's got it there and, uh, and that's great for him. So I'm just, I'm thrilled to death. Uh, for him, uh, he's just a good guy. Would have done a good job at USC. Uh, maybe never would have had the kind of resources he's had at LSU. And he's been given the ability to maybe make a mistake or two on a coordinator, and then they, you know, buy the guy out, and they, you know, they find somebody that that you know can get the job done, which obviously they're doing this year on offense. But uh, I'm just just terrifically thrilled for him. Yeah, great to see. I mean. Definitely rooting for him the whole way, and uh, we always loved covering him. He was a great guy. You, that was before your time, right, Keely? Did you? Yeah, I came right after that. Right after Coach O. Yeah, he was. Which I'm uh, sad because the, he, from everything I heard, it was just an iconic time. It was great. I mean, when he when he takes over and he brings cookies back, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. The cookies, the voice, everything. Yeah, yeah. and he brought the media back to practice. True. He did. Yes. 
True. We'll that see if true. that happens again for some reason. <laughs> we shall see. Um, our next email is kind of fitting coming off of Veterans Day. It's from Sergeant Rodney Strong from Fort Lewis, Washington. He says, well, a win is a win, but dang, how is it that with all our talent, we can't score three quarters? This That's just sad to me. And USC escaped with a win by ASU shooting itself in the foot with a drop touchdown and also a penalty on a pick six that got called back. Should I be happy with this win? It's still depressing to watch this team. They're literally winning games by the other teams shooting themselves in the foot and our players using their actual natural talent ability fight on i guess sergeant rodney strong hey dad real quick just so you guys know usc scored four offensive touchdowns in that game cal scored five offensive touchdowns in their game cal like the worst offense in the league so that was a little scary it was a really weird saturday to me (laughs) sorry about that and they get their uh, quarterback back this week, too. Yes. So they've been battling uh, through, uh, you know, a uh, real adjustment to, boy, what a year for uh, quarterbacks going down. But mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, can you get Chase Garbers back up to speed in a week? Uh, how does that work? It changes the dy- dynamic of the game, though. Uh, but because, Devin uh, Monster played really well this game. Like, yeah. He looked terrible. And then they get a bye week and he looks great. So I was like, wow, that's kind of strange. It was against Washington State. So... You know, you've got their defensive issues, uh, you know, that explain uh, some of that. I mean, USC, I think, just got to show up and play defense uh, for four quarters. Uh, I think they did a pretty good job limiting Eno Benjamin. Uh, You know, then they were hit and miss. Uh, Otherwise, they did look like they had, you know, more ability to, you know, cause turnovers, which, uh, which, which mattered. And I thought they played more physical. I thought there was some real hitting uh, by the USC defense that maybe we hadn't seen for for a while. So, you know, maybe that's coming around a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, they, 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 Saturday's game is not the the gimme that it maybe for the last month it's looked like it was going to be. You know, Cal's going to be all fired up and upbeat and ready to go. And I think. Uh, this is their game to get them in the bowl, right? A bowl game, right? So, so you know, um, I think it'll be uh, it'll be a big deal for Cal. I don't know what an eight o'clock game in Berkeley looks like. Uh, I know we've played some kind of twilight games, but uh, but one that starts at eight, that's going to be different. That's a kind of a different setting, yeah. to say the least, in uh, in Berkeley. And, uh, you know, a game where people won't be getting out till midnight. I mean, it's been a, a game where USC fans have really turned out well, even through, you know, some of the not such good years. They like the trip. They like, you know, to go to the Bay Area. And mostly they've been uh, day games and people really like this the setting. Uh, I'll be real interested. And I thought they turned out well at Arizona State. There were about four sections of USC fans. And um, that was kind of a, I think, a little bit of a surprise. But uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of a showing uh, USC fans make this weekend. Yeah, Cal, uh, they finish off their home slate with USC. Then they have uh, on the road against Stanford, which obviously just on the road. And then on the road against UCLA. Um, so, yeah, it's, they're 5-4 and four right now, trying to get bowl eligible. So, big win. It could be a big win for Cal this weekend uh, if they come back. But... It's weird with Monster looking so good. You know, Garbers was, was you know really good when he was in there, but I don't know. I don't know what they do. So it should be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Paul from Gator Country sent us an email that I think is interesting, and I was going to bring this up, but he does it well. He says, hello, Paracels team. I watched the USC and Arizona State game on Saturday, and I'll leave was at peace the whole game. I wanted to see my team win, but there's no pressure since the game is meaningless, and a loss means that we're one game closer to replacing the coach. I love seeing Keaton Slovis and the team light it up in the first quarter, but not surprised how it ended up being a game that they would have lost more than likely if it weren't for Rector's tip and interception. So... He has a question, but I just wanted to talk about that. Like, does this really matter? Because I know some USC fans, especially my Twitter mentions, were really mad about the game. But does it really matter in the long run, given what we know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, I just said and just saying today is, you know, that cake is baked. I mean, you know, where they are in terms of recruiting, basically – uh, the top recruits in California have, have made the change for USC. I mean, if you can't recruit, you know, one of the top 20, if you can't get into the top 75 now in the nation, and I know the numbers, USC doesn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of slots to fill. If you can't get it, barely get into the top 10 in the Pac-12, uh, you have to make a change. I mean, there's no you, there's no option here. I mean, the the world around USC football has pretty much made the change for USC football. So I don't think, you know, uh, like fans who are hanging on every game, oh, if we win this and what if, we, you know, no. It, it, you can't have a program there where from week to week you call up the recruits on Monday and say, hey, we won Saturday. We won't get fired, you know. Come on, come come down and, and, and be part of our program. No, you can't do that. You can't. A program can't exist from week to week. I mean, you just can't. So if you and your mind think it's going from week to week and it depends on one or a win or a loss, no. As soon as you are in that place where that's how you're deciding what happens with USC football, it's over. There is no, well, we got to wait and see how this week turns out. No, that's not how how it's done. And I don't, you know, things there hasn't been consistent leadership, obviously, in, in USC uh, for the football program for years. But I don't know that anybody doesn't understand that it can't go like this. You can't have it every week. Well, we'll see. No, it's over. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, Dan. I, I just think you have to look at it from a long term perspective. Mike Bone, that's why he was brought in there is to uh, take that long-term perspective. And uh, I think the kind of answers he's giving right now, that if you listen to him on Trojans Live on Monday night, there were, when the football team came up, it's pretty short. Uh, what he was just, he wasn't going to go down that path yet. So I feel like the writing's on the wall. It's going to, you know, USC fans are going to be pretty happy, my guess, uh, in a couple of weeks, no matter what happens between now and the UCLA game. Yeah, I can't imagine that they set the football banquet for the Sunday after the UCLA Saturday game, knowing that the season could go on five more weeks easily. Uh, that I, that wasn't by accident. Uh, I just think, you know, it's it's going to happen and it's going to happen right away. And now that they're bowl eligible, it has to happen right away because you've got to put somebody's got to be in charge of those fifteen bowl practices, which you hope a young team gets the benefit of, which is like a second spring, uh, spring practice. And, um, and you, you just got to figure out what's the direction of this team. And that's a, a real bonus for a, a youngish football team to, you know, to have uh, the ability to, to go to a bowl game. And if they win out, you know, maybe a halfway decent bowl game against a halfway decent opponent, uh, 
you got to make some decisions right away. You can't be in, in a, in limbo. You just can't. So I wouldn't, you know, I would not expect this to drag on. Um, I just going to finish Paul's question since I cut it off in the email. He says, my question is why uh, does it seem that the USC offense uh, seems to be creative in the beginning and then fit, falls to a predictable routine when the defense is figured out? Is it Harold's inexperience? Also, why does it seem like the team does not get down when they play poorly like the last three quarters? I believe it's the coach's low expectations. Fight on. See you in Berkeley. And then he says, do you have a meetup location? Do we even have a meetup? <laughs> no, I'm not going to that one. So I don't think, unless you guys want to meet up somewhere, but that's it's a late game. I think that might be tough. But real quick on Trojans Live last night, uh, Clay Helton was asked about do they script the the first drive? And they said yes, that all the coaches on the offensive side put their like 10 favorite plays in there. And then uh, Graham Harrell kind of goes through them and, you know, puts what he thinks is going to work best. But they, they do really well on that first drive that's scripted. I don't know. Maybe they should script some more. <laughs> I think, I think that what shows up is, I don't think they have to practice under sustained uh, pressure and sustained physicality. I think they have the ability in practice to do a lot of things and, and do, you know, they've got a lot of really good receivers. Uh, Kenan Kristen, the uh, guy who's only on the field because he, uh, you lost the first, second, and third running back. And look what he does. Uh, uh, Saturday with the two touchdown catches. Uh, I mean, here's a kid. People weren't even sure you could even think about putting him in in passing situations. A, could he block? B, could he catch it? Well, uh, you know, now you know. But uh, uh, you just have to have to practice really, really hard when you practice uh, when you go team. And I don't know if this team has the ability. I think it's one of the reasons that the run game suffers is they don't have the ability to play after play after play to sustain it, to block it, block it, block it, block it. So you're not looking at a second and 11, which makes it a little harder to keep running the ball. Uh, you know, they pass block uh, pretty decently, uh, but uh, they've got to figure out a way to be able to run the ball. And I, I don't know that there's any other way to do that other than really, really sustained hard physical work in practice and i think you know they have a tendency to kind of just say well look at how well we did you know let's just do it like we do in practice sometimes and i think that's where the ability to practice under a lot of pressure uh, really really matters and so i think it's it's a, a combination of physical and and uh, and mental uh, in terms of having that kind of toughness and discipline uh, coming off the practice field into into games, There's, the talent is there. When you see some of the plays these guys make, you realize, yeah, they got talent. They got you know somebody can throw it. They got uh, several somebody's who can throw it. They got a bunch of guys that can catch it. You know they got guys if like Keenan, if you get him into space, he can run away from people. But uh, you have to be able to do that, and they just haven't proved that they can do it over and over and over again. And uh, that's, uh, I think that's a, a manifestation of practice. We got a voicemail question for you, Dan. Here you go. Hi, this question is for Ryan or Dan. Um, a win is good, uh, very unsatisfying from where I sit, but uh, we think we know where it's going. Hey, I've got a question. Uh, the team seems to have um, in these incredibly explosive starts and, um, I'm wondering why that is. Is that that those are plays that are scripted and are practiced a lot, and thus the execution is 
a better than everything else, or is that that the defense adjusts once they've seen the first 10 or 20 plays and we don't adjust back, or is there something else? Uh, just curious if we can continue that momentum. Obviously, what happened at ASU will never happen again, keeping that up for four quarters. But, um, again, this consistent starts to keep that going through four quarters. Why can't we do it? Anyway, appreciate you guys, and fight on. Yeah, I think that's more the, uh, you know, I think we tend to sometimes make it too much like it's mental and it's uh, they adjust and then we adjust and it's all this. I think that it's the toughness part and it's the ability to just sustain that kind of effort. And uh, I, I don't know that there's like, oh, they figured out what we're doing on offense or they're, you know, no, I don't, I don't think it's that at all. I just think, you know, you have to, you know, you have to believe in it. You have to be tougher. They come at you and, you know, feel like, okay, now we got to, we understand how our guys match up against your guys. Um, that's where you just got to come out. And some of that might be, you know, you just hit the, take the ball when you have that kind of a lead and you just run it at people and you just run it and run it and knock them back and knock them back. And then, you know, throw play action because you force them to be able to have to stop the run. But USC stops itself uh, and can't sustain the run. I think maybe, you know, that inability to be able to sustain the run when you get up and to just be, you know, here we come, we're going to block it. We're going to run it. We're going to get a first down. Then we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. The clock's going to keep running and you're going to have to take some chances on defense. And then we're going to throw another uh, play action touchdown pass. That's the formula. I don't think USC has the discipline or the toughness. There are too many missed blocks uh, in the run game, too many bad plays, um, you know, two out of three good plays in the run game is probably not good enough. Uh, you have to do it better, and that comes out of pra- you know from practicing it, and it just doesn't happen. I don't think uh, you know in practice. I would agree. We have an email from Nicholas from Marino Valley. I wonder if he knows Curtis. They should be like a little meetup. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got a bunch of Marino Valley people. Really? I think we had a, we had a voicemail that was kind of uh, confusing that we were not playing, and he also said Marino Valley. So oh. maybe that's. Big uh, USC hotbed there in Marino Valley. Peristyle meetup for the Marino Valley yeah. people. Uh, anyway, he says, hi, Ryan. After all the raving and excitement that were that was reported about Ben Griffith's athleticism and kicking the football, why, with his size, 6'6", 230, is he not leading the Pac-12 in length of his kicks and time in the air? And watching him kick, I do not see him kicking with explosion. It was reported during both camps how powerful his kicks were in distance and height. That almost seems like fake news now. Is his punting limited to what he is told to do, or what we see is what is all that he can do? When is he going to kick those 65-yard rolling punts that are hard to catch and return? Thanks, Nicholas from Marina Valley. I don't think he's going to be allowed to. I think there's such a fear of the inability to, to cover. I mean, now they, they can't cover kickoffs. So uh, they've been afraid all year about uh, covering punts. So they just haven't let him do it. I mean, we haven't almost not seen any of the rugby-style punts, which I think, he, you know, you got a chance to, to get the bounce and to kick away from people. Uh, but uh, uh, his hang time probably matches anybody. Uh, but, you know, if you get that great hang time and it's a 36-yard punt and it lands on the 24 or something like that when you got 20 more yards, you could have kicked it to. Uh, it, it just certainly seems like that there, you know, the brakes have been put on because that isn't who we saw and that isn't what happened uh, in, uh, in fall camp. Uh, and so... You know, I think there's a there's a hesitancy. You know, there, there's a fear of 
you know, we won't get we won't get this thing covered. And uh, you know, you saw that play out in, on the kickoff Saturday when a team that a week ago said, oh, we can't squib kick it very well, so we won't, and they gave up a 100-yard touchdown return to Oregon, uh, resorted to uh, after uh, Arizona State got a couple of long kickoff returns and said, well, we'll just squib it every kick. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just giving in. I mean, you know, cover it. Figure out – I mean, at the same time that Clay Helton is saying one of the differences this year is there's more depth on this team. And that gives it more resilience and more guys you can put on the field. And even if you've got injuries and all that, well, if there's that kind of depth on this USC football team, uh, why can't you find enough good athletes to cover kicks? USC ought to be really good at covering kicks just by, you know, the number of good athletes that should be in this program uh, to, to be afraid to cover either deep kickoffs or uh, deep punts, I, I think is that's a loser's mentality. I don't, I, but that seems to be the mentality. Yeah. There's too many, too many resources, too much time spent on special teams for them to be this bad. So mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about that many times. I don't need to harp on it again. Uh, let's go. We got another voicemail. I think this might be Moreno Valley as well. Let's see. Wow. Curtis from Moreno hey. Valley. I'm hey. already hearing uh, certain uh, USC outlets say, that they're complaining about how USC won the game, how they looked, how they didn't do as good as they thought they should have done. Uh, they should have scored more points after the 28 to nothing run or, or whatever it was. Everybody picked them to lose. They were underdogs in Vegas. Ryan picked them to lose. Keeley picked them to lose. They won the game. How can you complain about a win when everybody picked them to lose? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, I think you can uh, complain when you're up 28-7 and you score three points, you know, the last three quarters. I, I just think, you know, that's that's the nature of things. Uh, I think everybody can be happy with the win. And I think everybody can be happy with all the great plays that all the playmakers made on both sides of the ball. That was cool. Uh, that it turned out the way it did, that, you know, you should not, uh, in a game where you, you gain more than 200 yards more than the other team, it shouldn't come down to a last uh, diving interception to save your butt. It just, it should not do that. And so I think you have to look at the circumstances of the game itself. I, I think there's nobody that's not pleased with uh, with the win. The way it ended up happening I think uh, there's plenty of room to be, uh, you know, it's one of those on the one hand, on the other hand. And USC, that's that's the kind of football they play where on the one hand, wow, look at that. Look at that throw by Keaton. Look at that catch by Alvin Ra. Look at what uh, Michael Pittman's doing. Look at what Talanoa did his first game back. Look at the uh, subs, Justin Dietrich and, and Matt Fink stepping in there. Uh, look at all the good stuff. And then you say, but... If not for one play, that's all wasted. So I think I think you can come down on both sides on this one, Curtis. I think I think you absolutely can. Before we uh, jump into the questions, I want to tell you guys about SeatGeek. Sometimes it seems like ticketing websites make getting to an event a lot harder than it has to be. They're so big, they can get away with not caring about providing a good customer experience. They just want to get your money and move on. 
How easy would the process be if ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live events and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way to buy tickets online. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place, from sports, music, comedy, and more. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They build the fastest way to find tickets, so now you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. SeatGeek has a better process that pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each one on a scale of 1 to 10, and then they display them on an interactive map of the venue so you can see where your seats would be. Green dots, good deals. Red dots, that means they're overpriced. Uh, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. So right now, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is use the promo code USC. So download the SeatGeek app today. Use promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase. Check it out. If you want to get tickets for the Cal game or the Coliseum for UCLA, you can go on the app. I have it on my phone. It'll tell you all the good prices. A lot of green dots for the UCLA game. So there seems like there's a lot more good deals out there. So make sure you check those out. Interesting. Yeah. Also, just to follow up, Curtis, I predicted a loss against Jaden Daniels. Jaden yes. Daniels did not play. I changed my pick like before the game and, Dan and uh, for our Pac-12 podcast, and David Woods was mad. <laughs> but I was like, once I found Daniels out, I said, okay, USC will cover. And then, so I changed my pick, Curtis. So I, you know. Yeah. If, I would have kept it if, if Jaden Daniels played. Yep. So the next, I'm just going to combine three emails because it's Ooh. kind of all with the same theme and I don't want to get redundant, but bear with me, everyone. First one, uh, Paul from Gator Country says, hello, Ryan and great team. First, I wanted to start out by saying how much I love Trader Joe's and appreciate the suggestions. I tried the steak tips based on your recommendation as well as other items and thoroughly enjoyed them. I personally recommend the orange chicken, my favorite, and Ooh. Japanese rice. It's also amazing. So there you go. Thanks. We didn't pay him for that. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks, Paul. Uh, he says, now on to football. Happy to have a new AD, but wanted to comment and get your thoughts. First, I see no reason that the new AD should have to wait to let go of Clay Helton. He shouldn't have to wait until the end of the season or another loss. His past and present stats speak for themselves, and it's clear in the results. First off, attendance. 20,000 fewer season tickets sold. Two, recruiting. In the 60s, unheard of. Three, win-loss record the last two years. Terrible. Four, keeping back Baxter and Pendergast. Poor judgment. Five, current stats for third down conversions of opponents, rushing yards against, turnover ratio, penalties, loss of the five-star quarterback that went to Bama, a.k.a. Bryce Young, and those are just a few. Six, loss of, of fan support. There's no winning fan support back. Not a Pac-12 title or Rose Bowl win would be enough to win back most of the fans. Seven, USC gets no respect from the media or other teams anymore, and that has to change. Your thoughts on whether the new AD waits or just does the right thing and pulls the trigger. Hopefully, by the time you read this, Helton is gone. I wish him success, but not with USC. Thanks and fight on, Paul. And then we have one. Paul, only seven things. Jeez. Only seven things. <laughs> and then Eric in Duck Country says, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, I've heard people who are worried about Helton winning out and being retained but i've noticed a couple things that bone said at his press conference he said winning is important but so is recruiting attendance and enthusiasm around the program i forget his exact terminology all things that are terribly lacking to me he fired helton at the press conference also when asked what integrity is to him he said playing by the rules and keeping your player and helping your players i'm not saying he's hiring urban meyer but those are both things that he is known for very carefully chosen words do you agree or am i looking too far into things thanks as always eric and duck country and then finally rick from la mirada said you guys are the best now i wonder constantly when enough will be enough i'm exhausted i can't take it anymore i can't take the golly g or shucks we tried but ran out of horses why not game plan to sub and throw the opponent off 
curious what time decisions for future will come if they will fight on dot 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 to victory so three <laughs> similar job, emails that's thank a, you i tried yeah. i tried can you put all that together in one package dan <laughs> yeah well I, I don't agree with uh uh number six on paul's list is i don't think to say that once you lose those people they're not coming back hey it's la uh, you know it's the you know, if you want, if the bandwagon comes ta- through town and it's a really good act, a really good show, they're going to jump back on the bandwagon. I mean, I think, for example, if you hire the right coach immediately, let's say, uh, the coach that everybody speculates about, I think you could sell 10,000 season tickets between the hiring and the, uh, and the first of the year. I mean, I, I just think, I think people are are waiting, uh, you know, for that kind of a, a move by USC. USC has to have, you know, develop, you know, some credibility. But I don't think that would be that hard to, to get back. Uh, USC is one of those programs that, if they uh, do it right, uh, the media will respond. And I know people get mad about ESPN or whatever. You know, when Pete was was rolling, ESPN basically had a bureau at, uh, you know, Howard Jones Field. I mean, it was, uh, you know, technically the L.A. Bureau, but it was the USC Bureau. And every other college football program in America was very unhappy about the fact that USC, basically ESPN's, you know, got a bureau right on USC's campus. Um, so that'll, that can turn around. You know, they just want, you know, eyeballs on, on what they're putting on the air. And if USC gives them that kind of a program, uh, with the kind of coach and, and doing all the things you got to do, um, that will come back. I, I don't think there's any any question about that. And I don't know that you can say that the AD has had to, you know, uh, hold up or not do this or not do that. I mean, we're only talking about a couple of weeks. And I, I don't – I mean, I think if we know what we think we know and everybody kind of knows what we think we all know – uh, there's no reason that the AD doesn't have to be doing some, you know, due diligence about, you know, where this is going to go from here and all that. I don't think his hands are tied uh, at this point. I, don't, I didn't get that sense at all. He didn't. He didn't give that sense at all. Now he's not going to go into detail about, you know, where this is going and what he's doing. But, um, but I don't think, I don't think the necessity of, of doing whatever you're going to do two weeks before. Uh, the end of the regular season uh, changes things that much. I think uh, it's going where it's going. It's going to happen when it happens, and I don't think Bone is uh, is being delayed too much here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he comes in with a tough spot. Everybody knows what the biggest job he's got to do is. Everybody knows what needs to happen, and he can't come in there. I mean, I guess he could have been at the press conference if the decision had already been made and he announced, like, we're moving on. Clay Elton's fired like his first day. I mean, I don't know. That looks a little strange, but I feel like this is just going to be, you know, he takes it all in. And at the end, you know, at the, at the end, uh, after the last game is when something's going to happen. I just, I just guess that that's how it's going to go down. But from, you know, just, he's not g- giving like glowing reviews of the football team and stuff. Sometimes people do that and it's disingenuous. And like we said before, like just listening on Trojans live, Football questions, and this is from like former football player like Sean Cody and from Jordan Moore, you know, people that are working for USC. The questions he's getting from them, he's kind of being short and sweet about. So I just feel like, you know, two weeks for you're going to know you're, you're going to know the answer. 
Yeah, it was very telling how short his answers were about the football program. Where other stuff he was kind of like going off mm-hmm. like for quite a while. He mm-hmm. only had a limited time on there, but like the football but still the football questions, which everyone knows are the most that's gonna be what everyone cares about the most. Mm-hmm. Those were the, the fewest words were uh <laughs> shared uh, when it came to those questions. And I felt like he kept it very player perspective as well. Like he, he talked about the players more than anything about coaching or, or, or any of that sort. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the way he's handled this would seem to indicate that there's not a big uh, mystery as to how this is going. Uh, and, and, and it's first step, uh, the second step, I just think we can't possibly know um, where that goes. Well, but, we have uh, questions about that, Dan. Uh-huh. We have questions about the next step after oh, that. Nice. Uh, but first off, speaking of Trojans Live, we actually have a question from Brett C. from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He says, hey, guys, I have a question for all three of you guys, Ryan, Keely, and Dan. Uh, do you think that Clay Helton won't come back ne- next season after seeing a photo of him on Trojans Live with Mike Bone? like to get all three of your guys' opinion on it. Love the show. Thanks, as always. Fight on. And we kind of already touched on it, but a lot of people made a big deal about the photo that uh, Sean Cody, Jordan Moore, Clay Helton, and Mike Bone took together. They thought it was a little interesting. Like, well, I mean, you know, if they're all there together <laughs> for a photo, uh, a photo is what. If I, I think people are reading way too much into into stuff like that. I just don't think it. it I don't think it matters. I really don't. I, I think. I think the the decision. I think the decision was made by so many different things that that when Mike Bone got here, I don't think there was any question about what the decision was. The decision has been made. Um, and, you know, Clay and his coaching staff have made the decision. The recruits have made the decision. USC fans have made the decision. The media has made the decision. I mean, there are so many things that, that, that have made the decision you know, I, I think we personalize things like, you know, what's Mike Bone going to do? I think he's going to do what the decision is. And, and I think they've made a decision that uh, doing something like firing a, a coach now creates more of an issue than letting it play out. That why would you have to answer all that? Well, why did you do it now? Well, you know, what about this? They don't need to do that right now. So, you know, let it let it play out till the, uh, you know, football banquet this you know day after the UCLA game and then then there's nobody that says well you shouldn't have done it then or you should no then it then it you just you're just sort of the communicator of the decision but I think that all of the things that have happened over the last however many years have made this decision inevitable where it is right now so I don't think there's a rush to uh, make that you know call and make it public yeah, I agree with you, Dad. And people were, if all you got to do is look on Twitter and when they tweet out these photos, some people said like um, Mike Bone was like tweeting about like, I think water polo and volleyball. He didn't really tweet about the football team after the game. Um, he was kind of, it, it seems like he's avoiding the football subject as much as possible. So he's not going to be caught in some kind of lie, which yeah. makes sense. But if you look at the, I mean, he knows, like Dad said, recruits are telling you, you got, you know, we'll, well, we'll get some recruiting stuff a little bit later, but uh, USC has the number 77 ranked recruiting class, 11th in the Pac-12. We've never seen this. It's never happened uh, since we've, you know, in the internet age of covering recruiting. So like Dan said, recruits are speaking. The fans are speaking. I mean, Mike Bone is not going to be tone deaf like Lynn Swan was tone deaf and not listening to anything. And every time you tweet something and Clay Helton's involved, you see in the comments, there's nothing positive. It's all just 
fire him, fire him, get Meyer, blah, blah, blah. And like, there was a picture of uh, Mike Bone and, and Jake Olson, which smart on Mike Bone to go right, you know. First that's day. Like, yeah. That's like, you know, wave the American flag and go, go USA. Like that's, a, you know, that's a, that's low hanging fruit there. Jake's <laughs> awesome. So you bring him in and all their comments about, you know, the picture are, are just about fired Clay Helton. And so he's hearing it. Don't, it's not like he's in some ivory tower like Lynn Swan was and not, doesn't want to listen to what the people are saying. He knows what's going on, like Dan said. So uh, I, I would not read too much into that photo. Yeah, I know, and I know the other thing is Lynn Swan knew what had to be done. He said what had to be done, basically. He just didn't want to do it. That was going to be a whole lot of headache and work and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Mike Bone knows what has to be done, too. It's the only thing that has to be done right now for him. So it's a, a completely different dynamic. He's much more tuned into what people are saying and much less, uh, you know, saying to himself, I don't have to pay any attention to that stuff that's outside the bumble. I don't think I, I would say one of the differences with Mike Bone and, the, you know, this is just a quick read is there is no more bubble. Uh, protecting USC athletics at this point. It's not no more that, well, we don't need to pay attention to you. You're outside. I don't know. What do you know? We know all the inside stuff. I don't think you're going to hear anybody say, uh, say that anymore. That just, that's gone. Yeah. The, the biggest mistake USC's made, I've liked a lot of the moves. They let the song girls back before the new athletic director came in. That would have been the best first thing Mike Bone could have done at the press mm-hmm. conference. Oh, by the way, song girls, you're back at the basketball games. Like that would have been a great thing he could have said. So true. I thought that was a little mistake. Um, voice, you want me to do a voicemail that has a recruiting in, or do you want yes, to do? Yes, let's go for All that. Right, here's a voicemail for you. Hi, uh, this is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. I'm sure myself, along with other uh, SC fans, were sweating the game when it was 31 to 26. And it was only by the grace of God that SC won the game. Pelton, Baxter, Pentagast, they all needed to be gone. Pelton especially, fire him. Uh, if you don't think that has a statement on recruiting and commits, this is the worst recruiting and commitment class that USC has had since 1962. And, yes, I go back that far. And if you don't think SC recruits or all recruits are looking at this, just know that, a legacy son, Ron Yeri's son, just decommitted from SC because they don't throw to the tight end. And I'm sure there are other recruits in Southern California and around the country that are seeing the kind of product that Helton and his coaching staff are putting out on the field and saying, you know what, I'm not going to that school until they have a better coach in place and they better do it soon because the recruiting period doesn't last that long. I will say one other thing. Look out because we play Alabama next year. And if you think with the recruits that they have and the offensive line that they have that we're going to do anything better than we're doing this year, everybody has to have a second thought on this. Please, let's do it and do it right so we can get on with the great USC tradition. Fight on. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get tied in too much <laughs> to you know specific tactics. For example, Alabama didn't throw to their tight end for years, you know. So, I mean, then they, you know, had somebody could throw to, and they, they threw to their tight end. But, uh, I mean, there are a lot of ways you can win football games. I would say that the people that know USC the best, you know, like a Ron Yeri, would be the ones who would be mostly uh, impacted by um, what's going on at USC. So those people you would almost expect not to 
make that kind of, you know, stay with that kind of a commitment because they don't see what, what's going to happen and how, how is this going to, uh, you know, benefit me going here? I, I mean, I think some of these are just a case of let's wait and see what happens. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I would expect people close to USC, the way, way things are going right now to say, you know, I think I'm going to wait and see. And let's just, uh, you know, give USC a chance to work this out. But, uh, but you know, I, I just think, uh, again, it's a case of the people outside are telling USC, this is what we're going to do. And USC, I think, for too long, we just talked about it, acted like that didn't matter because we're USC. It matters a lot. It matters that, you know, the attendance, it matters that, you know, scholarship, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, the, the donors, it matters uh, in so many ways. And I think it, the, the reality is now hitting USC in the face that uh, they have to do better. And uh, they can't just tell themselves we're doing great. That doesn't work. And now we reach the Urban Meyer portion of the podcast. Ooh. Yeah. So, so who's, who's this guy? He's, he's someone that people are interested in. All maybe. Right. Maybe. Nice. I'm um, combining two questions. First one from Ryan from the OC. He says, listening to Dan on the podcast, he said that if USC does not get Urban Meyer, then they look very inadequate. Isn't the official statement from Urban Meyer uh, that he's retired and not interested in coaching anymore? Do you know something that we don't? If Urban Meyer is completely off the table, who would the USC fan base be impressed with? And then we have a, a question from Garrett who says, hey, guys, greetings again from Ann Arbor. All the talk that Urban or all of the talk Right now is urban or bust, but what happens if he decides to not return to coaching? This is still a realistic possibility. How can we still have a successful post Helton era without urban? Who would be your next choice as Fleck is off the t- off the market now? <clears throat> and is there a second choice that you would still consider a quote unquote win for USC? Thanks for your thoughts and putting and putting us on the show. Fight on! And then he also says, "P.S. Shout out to Curtis from Marino Valley. I look forward to his optimistic voicemails each week." Yeah, Curtis, <laughs> very popular. Yeah, fan club. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have been resistant uh, to people who want to know what Plan B is. I just keep thinking. Uh, I don't want USC to come up with a plan B. I don't even want them to have a plan B in the back of their head. I mean, I want to, you know, if if you're going to make this change uh, and this guy is available, who's one of the all-time you know, great college football coaches, and he just happens to be working in L.A., and he just happens to be unattached, and he just happens to be a guy who – uh, when they mentioned something about him and the Cowboys, he said, no. When they mentioned something about him in uh, Michigan, he said, no. They've mentioned a million times about him in USC. He has yet to say no. Now, I want it to be in that place where if you are making this change, he has the ability <laughs> to say to USC, no. But I want it to be Urban's call. And I want USC to say whatever it takes, and if if that's where we are, looking for a new coach, um, that we don't look past Urban Meyer. USC says to itself, we have to make this work if he's interested. And I think we would know if he were absolutely positively shutting down all potential future coaching, I think we'd know that. I don't think he's done that. So I think now – I think you put put everything – I mean, you know, if you're the AD, you've got to have some backup plans in the back of your mind. But I don't think they need to be 
anywhere else uh, right now other than the focus. I, I don't think anybody could flip the recruiting class that you need or the, not the, a few of those guys that you really would need to make this respectable. I don't think there's anybody else that delivers the credibility both inside USC and outside USC uh, who would sell tickets, who would uh, – and then, you know, you got all those things. I'm not sure there's anybody – when you watch Urban Meyer – on uh, on Fox or on some of the YouTube videos, explain what he does and what he knows and how he knows it and how he thinks about it. You think, oh my gosh, that's you know that the insights are are so good. He's so uh, he he's a special coach, and they, they just aren't. I, I'm not sure there is somebody like that that you could possibly get. And if that person is a a possibility. I don't know how you can even be looking anywhere else at this point. I just think, is that like, oh, yeah, you're wrapping it all up in one and that's it? Well, maybe you have to do that sometimes. I think USC's put itself in a position where it, after a decade of where USC has been or more, I don't know that USC has a few years of kind of wandering in the wilderness to uh, find itself. And there are coaches, I think, if you give them time, surely could come in and make it work at USC. There's no question about it. But I think the need to do that almost immediately uh, is uh, to, to have a coach who every one of those top 20 California prospects would say, oh, I know that guy. Boy, that's serious. I don't know that there's anybody else even close to to Urban Meyer in, in those kinds of terms. And uh, I think Urban Meyer has the kind of credibility – in the when if he were hired inside the USC athletic department, you know when Urban basically would say jump, people would say how high. I mean it's just one of those things that he he would not have to beg and plead. I think once you hire Urban, you you send a message to everybody: we are going to do what he says we need to do. You know you got to have obviously people in compliance. They keep Dave Roberts on as special assistant to the athletic director. You have hired Paul Perrier. You can tell people we're going to do it right. And, you know, Urban has never had a, an issue, uh, you know, in terms of the NCA and all that. But USC can insulate itself there, I think. And uh, so, you know. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dad. It's certainly uh, there's there's one clear choice as far as number one goes. And USC traditionally has not gone after the the high-level prospect. They've been getting the people that are familiar with them and all that and kind of keeping it in close you know, in-house. So the most important thing to me is USC goes out and tries to get Urban Meyer. Now, he might not come for a number of reasons. That's You can't really control that side, but you got to make him say no. You put everything that's possible that he would want and need in position and say, here you go. Here are the keys to the kingdom. We want you to come run the program. And if, if you do all that and it's not uh, some, you know, half-baked effort, you really go out all out to try to get him and it still doesn't work, Okay, I mean, that's fine. But at this point, you have to try to get Urban Meyer. He has to be your choice one, two, and three. Do everything you can to get him, and if it doesn't work, then you go to a plan B. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so I'm, and I've had a lot of discussions with people, with a lot of people, about not wanting to go to a plan B at this point in time, and, and I'm just, I'm sticking to it. Uh, no plan B. The thing that I'm concerned about is that what happens if it doesn't happen? There's so much buildup for Urban Meyer that, like, I, I just don't yeah. want to imagine a scenario where that doesn't happen because 
I mean, Urban would have to come out and publicly say that, right? Like, I don't want it. Like, would they? How, what, how, what's the details of that not working out? Yeah, I'm curious to to see, but that's that's what everyone's counting on. But USC's put <clears throat> themselves in this position. That's what I'm saying. They put themselves in a corner. A, a decade of just terrible leadership will put you here, like where you don't have a choice but to make the A hire. Because if you if you had a bunch of like B plus hires over the last ten years, that'd be fine. But you've had F's and D's, and so now you need an A more than anything. And I think what points to that directly is the recruiting class. So for so long, USC could rely on the brand and what USC, the legacy of USC. And I don't think you can do that anymore when there's not stability in the program in the sense of when wins and losses in development as far as players go. They're gonna want they're wanting they're wanting to go to other places that can develop you and have a good reputation and, and the brand isn't there for usc anymore and yeah. and ryan you and i have talked about how uh, this is- i think the brand is there that's the problem the, the there's a different brand uh for usc football at this point and that's what you know uh, recruits are reacting to the brand isn't a good one well, well there's always a brand in general but what i'm saying is before in recruiting classes, even when Helton kind of struggled, it was like, well, USC is still good. USC is still USC of the Reggie era, the Juju Smith-Schusters, the Dories of the world. I don't think that's there really anymore. You just think about, oh, they're losing. They're not that good. They're not. It's not an attractive place anymore. Yeah, The potential well, of the I mean, brand is know, still sky yeah, high. Yeah, no. The brand will always have that potential. I'm not yeah. saying it won't. I'm saying where it is right now currently with two yeah. poor seasons. It's just you can't rely on that. This is like the, the USC pool is still 20 feet deep, but it's only filled like three feet right now. But you could just, you need to add water. Urban Meyer's the water. He'll you turn on the, the, the pool go. hose very quickly. <laughs> I, I totally mean that. I'm I just, love just coming up with random analogies out of nowhere. I don't know well done. They're... Well done. But I, yeah, I'm not dissing the USC brand. The brand yeah. will always be there. I'm just saying that it's deteriorated yeah. and. Usually it's it's strong enough that the recruiting class doesn't suffer, but we're seeing that it's suffering. Yeah. I think like Oregon has like a 10-foot pool that's full. You know, USC has a 20-foot pool that's three feet filled. And But Urban Meyer fills it up. You pass Oregon. You pass Washington. You pass everybody. Easily. Just by getting, yeah. Easily. Like not even a question. That's why you don't have a choice. Like you've you've drained your pool so much over the past decade. Now you have to fill it back up. And there's only one guy that can do it, and that's Urban Meyer. Boom. Well, well and I think you've also always got this situation in USC's entire football history. They've had three absolutely great coaches, all win nas- multiple national championships. Uh, if you you, I don't think you have a choice at USC other than to go for a great college football coach. You get a great college football coach at USC. It never been the case. You you win national championships. I think Urban Meyer is in the USC tradition. You get Urban Meyer, I think you start winning national championships again. It's that simple. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's not a hard equation. I mean, he would be the fourth. Uh, John Robinson, I think, continued John McKay, but uh, uh, but you'd have three legitimately great, absolutely great proven coaches, and they all won multiple national championships. Yeah, Urban could be the next. Uh, let's take a quick break. We still got some more questions. Uh, back in one minute, talking some more USC football. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I got one last voicemail question for you, and then Keeley's got some more emails, but here's the voicemail. Hello, Dan and Ryan and Keeley. This is Ben from uh, from Los Angeles, uh, Brentwood, a prior, uh, prior USC grad. I have three things to say. Number one is, how did Pat Hayton pick Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, and Clay Helton over Ed Ordron, ranked number one right now, LSU, Chris Peterson, who's been to college playoffs at Washington? Second question is, how did USC not get involved with the NCAA sanctions and back Todd McNair? Pat Hayton literally set us back. 20 years, and I don't understand how he is allowed to be on campus and Reggie Bush is not. Dan, we love hearing you, and also Ryan and Keely, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. What do you think, Dan? Um, well, I think uh, Pat Hayden didn't pick um, uh, Lane Kiffin. I think that was a Mike Garrett decision to save the recruiting class, and I think it was Almost legitimate. I mean, Lane had a, an aura of being a real big time recruiter, and uh, and and that that worked. I mean, he did save you know that recruiting class, and he was he worked at recruiting and uh, and did some good things. So, but yeah, I think they were just very comfortable in so many ways with uh, Steve from his time as being an assistant at USC. It certainly looks like they overlooked all the stuff that was going on at Washington. Uh, you know, they they certainly could. We all knew uh, what the issues were. Uh, it looked like a willful ignorance kind of a thing. Uh, I do think Ed was they weren't as comfortable with that. Ed was not. You know, Ed did what Ed believed what he believed and knew what he, he knew. Uh, I always have, have felt that Ed was, uh, you know, had gotten on the wagon, you know, for uh, 10 years and had been, you know, he really, I think, saved his career, saved his life, maybe by doing it the way he uh, way he did it. And it just didn't seem to fit in with the USC culture at the time. And so he was just, they, they, they looked like they were trying to figure out ways not to make him the head coach. They were going to make him the highest paid assistant in college football. And I, I do believe he, you know, felt like they were not honest in, in the way they got to that decision. And, uh, and the way that, that, you know, that Sark became the coach. And I thought that was one of the, you know, worst uh, decisions, uh, you know, self-inflicted uh, injuries that USC's ever, you know, ever put on itself. Uh, I think with Clay was they just needed to move on, uh, you know, from, from Steve and, and with all the things that had happened there. And it was sort of a, well, Clay said all the right things. We're going to be physical. We're going to be old-time USC football. We're going to be power football. We're going to, you know, do all the things that USC has always done. And then they didn't do most of them. Um, so, uh, you, know, the, you know, the big mistake was with with Ed's passion and Ed's. Uh, recruiting ability and his demands on recruiting and demanding how the coaches were going to recruit the worst you could have, ha- you know, ever, you know, happened with an Ed being the head coach here 
if USC didn't give him enough support, let's say with coordinators and salaries and stuff like that, you still would have had a ton of really good players, uh, you know, uh, stocked up and USC, uh, you know, missed out on, on, on much of that. And I, I think Ed loved USC and would have loved to have stayed here. And, um, and I, you know, was a terrific, uh, you know, backer of Ed. And um, he had to learn on the job. I mean, there was he, you know, he brought a lot of things to it. He needed to learn a lot after his, uh, you know, experience at Ole Miss. And he was learning and he was really working at it now. And it's taken a few years, even at LSU, to, to work it out. But, but he was a guy that really wanted it badly and has, has figured it out for himself. And, and that's great. But, uh, yeah, that was a gigantic miss uh, to, not, to not see that uh, passion and the way the kids would respond, uh, you know, for Ed, uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, one of those unforgivable sins almost. It's just uh, there's no way you, you get past that. But it's great to see Ed where he is. We have an email from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, who says, Hi, Keely, Dan, and Ryan. Well, USC finally has an AD with experience. It was mentioned in the search that he was an, ex- an expert in marketing and communication. These skills have been sorely needed for many, many years. Does USC even have an SID? All we have heard about for the last 10 years is subservience to the NCAA. I'm so tired of hearing about the need for integrity. The only lack of integrity was, was from President Nikias and the Board of Trustees, who never pointed out the lack of integrity by the NCAA and not standing up for the great program run by Pete Carroll. Pete recruited the right way and treated his players fairly. I'm also really tired of Bill Plaschke and his holier-than-thou attitude regard, regarding Urban Meyer. Would Fox have hired Urban if he was such a bad person? USC needs coaches who have a proven track record of winning, dot, 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 period. I hope that Mike Bone uses his marketing and communication skills to tout the outstanding USC experience in athletics and the president, and that President Folt does not do the same, or that does the same, excuse me. Dan, as, as an experienced reporter, what do you expect in terms of marketing and communication from the USC athletic department? Hope springs internal with USC fans and fight on. Dan, class of 1962. Yeah, just the very fact that they do some marketing and realize they need to do some marketing. I and mean, they kind of, I think, going through the motions to some extent and not sure, you know, where, uh, how much outreach they need to have. And, and they just, uh, you know, missed opportunities. I, I just think so much. Um, and then you know, the fact that USC has such a bad Nike contract, for example, that UCLA's is, you know, $13.5 million a year more than USC's. Uh, they're just all the little, little things. I know they're trying a little, you know, scrambling a little bit, you know, for things like basketball games and, and uh, you know, trying to get some more people at the Coliseum, uh, you know, for football games and doing things they've never had to do. And this is this is kind of a hard sell. I mean, you don't have to do as much marketing if your program is legit and you know competing for national championships and that you know, that's what LA you know, requires I don't know that LA is, is susceptible to uh, marketing campaigns I think people have so many opportunities that you can't make something look better than it than it is in, in Los Angeles so I, I'm not sure you know how much you can make up for it in terms of marketing but yeah I think people look at for example I don't know that I saw any outraged columns from uh, the LA Times about Chip Kelly, the fact that he, you know, had an 18 month uh, 
NCA show cause for the way he was recruiting uh, a lot of those guys from Texas. And I, I don't remember that that was like, oh, my gosh, you know, UCLA, how can they do this? Well, I, I just maybe I missed it, but I sure didn't. I didn't recall it uh, with you know, with the uh, faux outrage that they have right right now for Urban Meyer. I just think that's, uh, you know, and, and you don't want to be listening to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they, you know, they write to just get somebody to pay attention. And, you know, the, the, it's just uh, uh, one would hope they don't have much – uh, much effect, and one would hope that USC has the ability to just say, "Look, we're going to do what's best for USC, and we don't care what the LA Times, uh, you know, has to say about it." And we they don't know what they're, you know, we don't care. Uh, but uh, and you just say, "Look, we're going to get the best person we can get for every uh, job opening at USC, every department head." You know, uh, the Marshall School comes open. We're going to get the, you know, however that happened, and, and good, bad, or indifferent. We're going to get the guy from the Wharton School at, at Penn. And just those are the kinds of things I think you need to do and just do what, you know, what you decide is the best uh, and not uh, – I think that's the best marketing you can do by hiring the best people, having the best program, and maybe and, and, and in some ways the marketing takes care of itself. We have an interesting email from Steve Sutter, who basically summarized USC's athletic department problems. He said, summary, one, financial problems of athletic departments. Two, football team performance problems circling around the head coach, Clay Helton. Three, failing overall athletic programs. I can go on and on. I don't see USC President Carol Folt not looking for the best option that can, can solve these problems. Based on her track record at UNC, she's willing to take on the boards at universities. Solution, hire Urban Meyer. Note, if the board was... If the board of USC was running a company, the company would be bankrupt. Most companies that operate with nepotism fail. Need I say more? Fight on to victory, Steve Sutter, USC alumni. Yeah. I think a lot of universities, your, uh, if they were run like a company, lips, they would fail, like, to be fair. From your lips, uh, yeah, from your lips to God's ears. That's, uh, yep, uh, you said it. Well, yeah. He had a, what was his other one? Did he, he had another... He's an all-caps guy. He's an all-caps guy. Uh, he says, this doesn't sound like Carol's decision based on her record of decisions at UNC. Could have been the Board of Regents dictating that Meyer is not a candidate for head coaching job. I don't believe that Mike Bone sh- would have not would not have been told that Meyer was not an option for head football coach. Carroll's track record doesn't support this incompetence. We may be looking for a new president. Remember, it was the Board of Regents at UNC that got involved in the statute the statute decision. Uh, or the statute decision, excuse me, USC Board of Regents have shown that they are incompetent over the last 10 years. Food for thought, Steve. All caps is just... He does like the all caps. He seemed like more read. positive Carol Fulton one email and then not as positive yeah, the Yeah, I was going to go with just the one email, but you uh, did I'm too. I'm sorry. Well, I just <laughs> like, you're good. Well, it's like it's standing out there because it's like all caps. But. It just screams at you. Yeah. We have two more questions. Um, And they're not... They're random ones. First off, from Michael from Newport, he says, I recently saw the tweet from Trojan Outreach that Michael Pittman uh, is speaking to elementary school kids about good reading habits. What other activities have you heard about the players and coaches being involved this year? Fight on and beat the Sun Devils. Oh, so this is old. My bad. That's a good question. I I don't know that we've heard. I mean, we heard a lot about Michael's uh, work, and he's really good at, at what he does, and he you know believes in it so strongly, and 
and he's got a passion about him that, that's just terrific. And I know they do outreach to uh, you know schools in the neighborhood and things like that. And I'm trying to remember there was one uh, just recently that had a number of USC guys there, but I can't remember exactly what the what the program was. There but, was uh, a they did a Haiti one a few years back where they were like building houses, but that was a few years ago. They do a lot of like food kitchen stuff as well. Oh, I think they this year they um they renovated apartments for domestic violence victims. Oh, okay. I know Michael yeah. Pittman um videotaped it, so they did something like that. I know Jordan Austin when he was on the team was really about um doing a lot of community service, and so was all yeah. that whole group. Yeah. And I do think they do kind of regular visits to schools and things like that that maybe don't you know get a lot of publicity. But I do think USC is pretty good about that. I think they they do a nice job, uh, uh, you know, in the neighborhood and and with the kids and that. Um, so and Austin Jackson uh, gave his bone marrow for his you know yeah. sister. I mean that should count for something. That's a pretty big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and our final question, interestingly enough, is about women's softball. Uh, Trout Hog 58 says, hello, RKDS, which I think is the abbreviation for Ryan Keeley, Dan, and Shotgun. Uh, can you please, please, please help get a softball team? At least ask the questions. A friend and I emailed USC about 15 years ago, and they basically said it would never, ha- ever happen and to, and to lose our email address. Since then, they have a be- we have better leadership. Maybe they will li- Maybe they will listen. Thanks so much for listening from a lot of us who love your hard work and opinions. Fight on. Three exclamation points. USC softball. Three exclamation points. Um, yeah, real, I think, real quick, I, I asked Pat Hayden at, directly about this. You remember, Dan, you were there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I was there. It, it, I might have asked him, like, oh, what, are you vacationing on the moon tomorrow? Like, that was basically what it, was, it sounded like. So he, it's like no, no question he was not thinking about adding a softball team. Well, I mean, I think they, they had a choice uh, a few years back, and they decided, and I understood that maybe Max intervened and said, let's go for the women's uh, cross because it's a east it's an east coast sport and we'll get east coast kids to come to usc mm-hmm. i don't know that getting kids to come to usc is a real big issue uh if it were me i'd go for softball which is a california sport half the teams in america have half their lineups are from california i think if usc went for softball i think within a couple of years they could you could almost pencil them in the college world series because softball is different you get enough scholarships to have a full team. It's not like baseball. And if you and, and they're not looking to go ahead and play professional softball, not much. Uh, so it's not like baseball. So I think USC could have a nationally competitive softball program within uh, a couple of years. Now, you got to find a place to play on campus. And, and that will be, you know, take a little bit of doing, a little bit of creativity. Uh, could you play games at the... Um, uh, 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 LA football club arena or stadium. I don't know. Uh, there, I just think there would be ways to figure something out. Uh, I don't think that should be a, a killer in, for, in, in terms of, in terms of, uh, softball, but I just think softball represents, if you're the university of Southern California and maybe the number one sport for girls in Southern California is softball. And, and it's certainly the place where the by far the most softball players, good softball players come from. I think the University of Southern California ought to have a, uh, a women's sport that represents Southern California. Uh, although the other thing, I know Pat told us it was like another million dollars for every sport or whatever, which doesn't seem like all that big a deal in a $110 million budget. But uh, 
I think what you're seeing in the Pac-12 with Utah and uh, UCLA is that they've turned uh, women's gymnastics into uh, you know, a sport that where they actually don't run at a deficit, the crowds are such. And, uh, again, I think that would be uh, a wise way for USC to look at it. You know, you have it in your, your basketball or, you know, you don't really need, um, you know, any, you know, build any, any kind of a venue and, uh, and fans are really, uh, turning out for that. So, so I think they, you know, they may have gone the wrong direction and, and, and the last, uh, women's sports decision, but I think they, they ought to ought to go uh, another direction now, and maybe with uh, with Mike Bone, they'll be able to get a hearing about uh, about softball. Yeah, I think you know the last three athletic directors. I'm not sure you were going to get that done. Maybe Mike Garrett. He's been around there a long time, but with Mike Bone, I think he'll come in and assess that situation and take a look at it. And I think you'll get a real answer where here's the reasons why we could and what would need to happen, or. Here's the reasons why this this can't happen right now, but I I think that's something that's going to be on his radar and something we can definitely ask him about, and I, I think we'll get a better answer from someone like him who's been around the block a few times. Mm-hmm. We'll get a real I get we'll get an answer. I mean I, I don't even know that 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 the question registered enough to actually get a real answer. It just you know so that'll be a difference. Yeah, remember those days we had we had like that was like a round table we had. With Pat Hayden in in like the SID office, we were asking him questions and stuff. Like nothing like that with Lynn Swan. So foreign. Yeah, yeah, it was like crazy. And he, then he stopped doing that too. He didn't want to talk after he had to make some tough decisions. But all right, well, I guess that's going to wrap it up. Anything else, Keely? That's it. So uh, we got USC practice this afternoon. USC basketball Tuesday evening. Lots of stuff going on around USC as we count down. Another road trip to Cal, and then, of course, home against uh, UCLA. Well, that's Keely Yore, Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 